The following production is part of the Play Some Video Games Podcast Network. Welcome to Board with Video Games, the gaming podcast that strives for the right balance of coverage for games you play on your table and on your television. You can think of us as the Halloween candy and tummy aches of gaming podcasts. We're a proud member of the PSVG Podcast Network and thrilled to be part of the Dice Tower Network as well. I'm one of your hosts, Kyle, and joining me on this co-op adventure, the guy whose sweetness only brings me joy, never pain. Josh, how are you doing this evening? I am here. I'm doing okay. How are you? I'm pretty good, Josh. You've done a lot of podcasting this weekend. <laughs> well, technically, I, this is only my second podcast. But yes, uh, as far as how long I've podcasted, yes, I've done <laughs> quite a bit of podcasting this weekend. <laughs> you have. But you're still here, and I appreciate that. Yeah, I would never miss it, unless I had something physically holding me back. <laughs> You know, I was listening to a, or I was reading something the other day, and it talked about podcasts, specifically about when podcasts respect your time or don't respect your time. (laughs) And the example that often people use are the little interjection that we typically have at this point of the show where we talk about kind of nothingness for a minute or three or five before we get into the full show. And they talked about how this part of a show doesn't respect your time. Now, here's my thing. I listen to podcasts, a lot of podcasts, and I kind of like this part. Yeah. Like what the people who say that they like, they go to meet up with friends and they say someone starts having small talk and they're like, no, what? get to the point. Why am I here? <laughs> <laughs> what is the topic of what we're supposed to be? And I get if you listen to a podcast specifically for a game review or something like that. But that really isn't, I guess, what we do. Like, we talk about games and our impressions of games, but we're more just having kind of a conversation and bouncing stuff off of each other and, and go in that direction with it. So I just thought that was interesting about, you know, what is respectful of the listener's time. You know, kind of when we think about games, when people will say a game doesn't respect your time, what does that mean? And how do we quantify all of that? And I didn't make it the topic of the show, but I thought about it. I mean, that's an interesting question, but I mean, we do this for ourselves and we are very uh grateful and and thankful for our listeners um but i wouldn't say i ever go out of my way to respect or disrespect our listeners time because if i thought about that while we talked about things that we would both run a messy show because we'd be so worried about everything we said <laughs> and clearly <laughs> i still have problems with some voice ticks and things that happen constantly <laughs> we obviously aren't big on improving things apparently on this show though i think the sound quality is far well, better than it used to be if you go back and listen to episode two like my coworker did and then listen oh, yeah, to episode 100 right after episode two like my coworker did there's definitely a, a big difference <laughs> we've definitely yeah. improved well, that's good. One would hope that, you know, a hundred plus shows into something, it would get a little bit better. Well, you would hope. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Josh, it is 
Halloweenish time. Mm-hmm. It is that spooky time. Obviously, if you were a patron of PSVG, you have a DLC episode waiting for you, all about spooky games and all that good stuff. And we'll talk about our topic of the show that has to do with something spooky, but a little different, I think, than a lot of podcasts do or other media outlets do. But I do want to ask, do you have any Halloween traditions? Are you dressing up as something this year? Can you dress up at work? What's Halloween like for you? <laughs> I definitely can't dress up at work. I mean, I really? probably could. I probably could. Um, but I'm in the building when no one else is in the building, so it'd be very, it'd be very weird for me to. I think that makes it all the better. <laughs> dress up for work and then just walk around by myself. Uh, Do they have security cameras in the building? <laughs> there's cameras, yeah. That would be great. Whoever was has to look at those videos from time to time, they see you walking around in your costume. I think they would love it. Yeah, or I'd be in a meeting. <laughs> <laughs> I think it probably would depend on what your costume was. And that's also. Very true. Uh, no, I don't have any traditions anymore. Um, my This will be the first year my son actually goes trick-or-treating, but because I have to work, uh, I will not be there for it. Right. Um, and, you know, yeah, I haven't... When I was in my 20s, I would go to Halloween parties and dress up. Mm-hmm. Um, probably all the way into my 30, like, till I was, like, 30. But, um, you know, as as we age and our friends aged, we just kind of aged out of it. I'm not saying that people have to age out of it because i i'm sure there's people who are well older than me in the same age as me that have halloween parties which is totally cool with me like i would love to do another halloween party or we used to host them and then you know we just kind of had to stop hosting them um with a kid and, and things like that so uh no traditions to speak of except you know it's really when i i kind of boost my um scary movie watching in october um to kind of you know get in the season for what sure about, what about you so before i jump into my what is mm. the kiddo going as he is going as a construction worker because he is obsessed with diggers and excavators and loaders and mini loaders that's a that's kind of a unique costume i don't know that i've seen many construction worker costumes for, with kids yeah i don't know uh, he loves it you know he comes and steals his little yellow hard hat from the room that he's not supposed to be playing with and walks around the house wearing it (laughs) and he hammers and hammers everything with his plastic hammer perfect real fun (laughs) that is is great yeah uh don't really have any i actually love halloween halloween is one of my favorite holidays mostly because where i grew up where i grew up halloween is huge it is uh my hometown or what i call my hometown not where i was born but where i grew up uh is self-proclaimed the halloween capital of the world yeah. Yep. We talked about this last year. So for me, you know, it's a big deal. But yeah, this year, you know, not a lot going on. Uh, the nice thing is, um, again, I know we talked about this about a year ago, but if you're a new listener, uh, the town I live in, and this was new to me moving to Iowa, uh, the town I live in has set trick or treating hours that you can only trick or treat on a certain time, between a certain time on a certain day. Last year, it was not on Halloween, but this year it is. So at least. People are nice. going to be trick-or-treating on <laughs> Halloween. And, you know, me being the irresponsible member of the community I was last year, I didn't even know what day it was on. Luckily, I already had the candy, but wasn't aware of what day I was supposed to be ready for the kids. Uh, but this year, it is on Halloween from 5.30 to 7.30. That is when they can trick-or-treat, and that is it. So, yeah, no traditions. I thought about, you know, decorating the house and all that good stuff for Halloween, but I just really have a hard time spending the money for something that's going to be out for a month ish yeah you know and i would want to make it really creepy and scary but there's a lot of kids in the neighborhood and my partner doesn't like creepy and scary things so then 
That seems kind of... <laughs> I don't want to make it like a fun Halloween. Who wants a cute Halloween? Nobody wants that. <laughs> hey, you got no argument from me. Uh, <laughs> I was waiting all for a rebuttal the same reasons, there was no rebuttal. <laughs> no, all the same reasons. I would love to decorate. Uh, my wife is bigger on the decorating, but financially it doesn't make sense. And we don't get trick-or-treaters on our street anyways. We used to. Mm-hmm. Um, but we don't anymore. That may change this year. I'm not sure. Um, so we would really be doing it for ourselves. Right. Right now, everything is scary to my son. Mm. So not not best time to do it. Um, like Probably. we go into Target and he sees like a cardboard spider and he screams like he's being murdered. So that's something we would want to keep out of the house. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, when you say you don't get any, do you literally get none or do you just get very few? Past couple Probably like past five to six years, not a single person. Wow. Yeah, it's really interesting. I'm not sure why that has happened. When I was a kid, we, you know, all night the doorbell would be going. Right. So who knows? Yeah, yeah. we're gonna. We didn't count last year. We should have. We'll count this year. But if I had to guess, last year we probably had a little over a hundred. I think. Wow. So yeah, I mean that's the beauty and not beauty of living in a the the city we live in where we live in the city and we have no kids but everyone around us has kids (laughs) so i feel like we're just providing our neighbors kids with candy it's basically what we're doing and we're getting no benefit because no one gives us candy darn it (laughs) all right but hey let's move on get you know make sure we respect our listeners time we'll move on here so uh thanks so much for joining us this week as always if you have any feedback questions or suggested topics hit us up at board with vg on twitter or check out all the awesome stuff that is being posted over on the Instagram, also Board with VG. We are a proud part of Play Some Video Games, and PSVG is on Patreon. We are absolutely thrilled with the support you have given us there thus far. And if you'd like to monetarily support what we do, you can find us there at patreon.com PSVG. But the most important thing is just that you listen, and maybe share what we do with someone else who you think might enjoy it. And we are a part of the Dice Tower Podcast Network. So if you enjoy our conversations about board games and would like to dive deeper into that world, we encourage you to check out the Dice Tower Podcast as well as all the other members of the network. No matter what type of board games you enjoy, there's a podcast on the network that's right for you. So Josh, oh, enough of the housekeeping stuff. It is a week to talk about some games. What have you been playing on your tabletop, sir? Well, you would think two weeks is a good enough amount of time to play a single board game. Didn't you have a Gloomhaven night, though? Yes, I did have a Gloomhaven night. But, I mean, do people want to still hear about Gloomhaven? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We had a Gloomhaven night. It was great. Uh, We succeeded, wildly succeeded, which was nice. Nice. We're leveling up. We're getting close to retirement on at least one of our three characters. Uh, Yeah, Uh, it's still fun. We still, like, we have one planned for November already. And I think December. So, you know, we're doing our best to to get that, put the minutes in. Obviously, we're not even close to where some people, or most people are in Gloomhaven. But, um, yeah, we still enjoy our time. And, yeah, I played some more Key Forge as well, um, which is still nice, too, to get that to the table as well. Uh, Dice Tower just released a video uh, on the new set, which I haven't watched yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to check that out. Uh, yeah, but unfortunately, I realized, like... That it was a game week, and I and I was like, oh, did we play a board game last week? And we didn't, besides Gloomhaven. Mm-hmm. So I have Fantastic Factories. It came in the mail uh, from Kickstarter, um, and the Alka, sorry, 
The Valley of the Alchemist, which is a game I got for my wife. Uh, they're both games I really want to get to the table. I think with the hype around Fantastic Factories, that's probably the thing I'm going to push to play next. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to bring some board games to Extra Life uh, next Saturday. Uh, if it's, uh, it's possible, we might get to play some board games as well. I'm not sure, but um, I'm going to definitely bring something to play with Kevin Austin, probably Century Gollum Edition, because I do not believe he's played that yet. And I was thinking maybe like Betrayal at House on the Hill, because that's a fun game to teach to other people. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, I don't have a board game to get in depth about, uh, which is a bummer. So you mentioned Extra Life. Mm. If people wanted to support you for <laughs> Extra Life work, yes. and how could they do that? Okay, you could you can go to my Twitter, at Josh Bones, and it's the pinned tweet on my um, page will bring you to my donation page. You can literally donate a dollar if you want. That would be most appreciated. You could donate more. You don't have to donate at all, either. Um, I did hit my goal. However, they kind of say, like, you should raise your goal if you hit it. But I didn't want to raise it because people donated to help me hit my goal. And I feel like I would feel weird then raising the goal. Um, even It's though, like a stretch goal of a Kickstarter. Right. So, uh, and this is my first year doing it. I realized you can put milestones and you can do giveaways. So next year, assuming this goes really well and I do it again, I will um, better uh, map out my... my uh, my plan, but uh, if uh, but th- it doesn't matter if I hit my goal. Any donation is still going one hundred percent to charity. So, um, if you're listening and you have a dollar, two, three, four, five, whatever to spare, just hit that link on uh, on my Twitter at Josh Bones and um, help me help the children. And because it's on a daylight savings night, we are going twenty five hours instead of twenty four hours. Yeah, you are. Uh, and that's just the gaming portion. Kevin, Austin, and myself are going to have to leave here at around 5 a.m. to get there to start at 10 a.m. So we'll actually have been up 30-plus hours by the time it's over. And then you have to drive home after. No, Kevin and I are shacking up. Oh, I was going to say that is a probably a good idea. Oh, yeah. I'm the, not driving yeah. home after that. <laughs> get a good night's sleep. Yeah. So, yeah. So, if people want to watch, are you all going to be streaming and stuff? Yeah, I'm going to stream on Mixer. Uh, I might test out my webcam on my Xbox this week to see if it works well. Um, I may not bring the webcam. I'm not sure. Um, but I will stream as much of it as I can on Mixer. Uh, if we play board games, obviously, I will not be doing that. But there are uh, some tournaments set up during the day. Um, there's a, a generic racing game tournament, generic fighting game. Um, so I'm sure they'll fill us in on what the games are. I'll be playing on the Xbox and the Switch at certain points, so I won't be streaming Switch because I don't have a capture device to do that. Excellent. Well, dear listener, if you can support Josh, please do that, because supporting Josh is supporting kids, and that's something we all should do. Say kids at that. Indeed. (laughs) So, all right. Well, Josh, I have been playing a game. I know, I'm very jealous. It's a game that I am very excited to talk about. Um, We were very fortunate to get a copy of Skulk Hollow, uh, which sent to us from the publisher Pencil First, uh, designed by Eduardo Baroff, I believe is how you say Eduardo's last name. 
Uh, but Skull Hollow, again, publisher provided the game, so just be aware of that as I talk about it, uh, is a two-player asymmetrical game. And the best way I can describe this game is if you have ever played Shadow of the Colossus, you know exactly what is happening in this game. Oh. So there are, in this case, I believe there's four different Colossi-type creatures, if you want, um, in the box. Uh, they call them Guardians in this game. Uh, and one player plays one of the Guardians, and the other player plays as a group of foxes or a kingdom of foxes who are trying to defend themselves from the Guardians. As the fox or the group of foxes, uh, you win the game by defeating the Guardian, so by eliminating all of the Guardian's health. As the Guardians, you typically have two or almost three, really, win conditions. Uh, well, no, two win conditions. Either you take out the leader, because every when you play as the Foxes, you pick one kind of leader card, and if that card ever gets eliminated or that character gets eliminated, eliminated game is over, Guardians win. It, or every Guardian, so the four Guardians, all have a basically special win condition. One might be, oh, eliminate eight units. So there's two types of cards we'll get to in a second. Um, but one might be, like I said, eliminate eight units. Another one might be, oh, collect these four runes from different places of the board and then get them back to your lair. So there's different win conditions for the Guardians. And like I said, for the Foxes, it's just eliminate the Guardians and you win. How the game was played is very straightforward. Uh, but there's a lot of important decisions to make despite that. So um, each... Whether you're playing the Foxes or the Guardians, there's a player board for you that tells you how many cards you can have in your hand and how many actions you can take. And then that's what you do. If it's you can take two actions, you take two actions. And those actions might be movements, they might be attacks, they might be gaining power that you can use later for additional actions. Uh, but that's kind of all you're doing, is you're make, taking some, making some movements, maybe doing some actions and attacking uh, or getting ready to attack, building up some power so you can attack in the future. Um, but that's all the game is. So it's kind of like this mini chess game back and forth, this mini strategy game back and forth. Um, but when the foxes get to the point of attacking, they actually, you have these very large, chunky meeples for the guardians. And there's a completely separate guardian board that when, when moving over the main board, when the foxes get onto the same board space as the guardian, they can then leap onto the guardian. So you then actually put the meeple on a separate guardian board that you can then move the meeple up around the guardian to different places on it to attack specific things. Nice. And if they attack certain areas and do enough damage to them, it removes certain abilities that the guardian could have. So, for instance... The kind of base guardian that you have, one of his abilities is throw. So he can pick the meeple, the foxes off of him and throw them onto any space on the board. But if you go to the arm that does the throw and you do two damage to it, suddenly they can't throw anymore. Nice. And that's really the only way that they can get foxes off of them. So this is what all this game is, though, is this kind of chess game back and forth about deciding which actions to take, trying to be aware of the actions that the other person can take, and setting yourself up for success. As the guardian, it is definitely trying to decide when do I be aggressive, when do I go try to do maybe what my secondary objective is, do I go try to take out the captain, like what do I do to try to win this game? And as the foxes, it's how do I prevent the secondary objective from happening 
but also ensure that I'm making forward progress in trying to take out this Guardian. Because some of them, you know, if the Guardian's objective is to eliminate eight units, well, if you jump up there and get into the Guardian's business a lot, you're probably going to die a lot. So it's really this delicate, intricate dance that's happening uh, as you're playing the game. It is The production on this game is stellar. All of the art is really good. Uh, the insert is amazing because everything in the insert tells you there's basically an inlay in the insert itself that's like, hey, this creature goes here or this guardian goes here. Um, every guardian and all and the foxes have their own deck boxes with all the cards for them in there. Wow. Uh, every guardian has a separate meeple and then each guardian has additional little wooden figures that it needs to complete what its secondary objectives are. Uh, so this game is gorgeous looking the play is really fun and i think the cool thing about it is i think it's 40 dollars is retail um for that there's a lot in the box uh the foxes have four different leaders that you can choose as the leader for the foxes that do very different things that makes the feel of playing the foxes very different the guardians all have kind of difficulty curves for understanding how to play them so you have, you know, your most four straightforward guardians at a one-star comp- complexity up to three-star complexity guardians that are very hard to really grok and understand or more challenging to grok and understand how to play them. So I will say I was a little bit nervous about this game because my Erica is usually not a fan <laughs> of 1v1 asymmetrical games uh, or even if they're more symmetrical as you know our recent covering of Harry Potter and things like that but I will say I really enjoyed this game I think that the ability and the future of what this game could develop into is also pretty exciting because you could have introduced additional factions in addition to the foxes you could have obviously dozens and dozens of more guardians created if you want to so there's a lot of room for expansion there but just the tacticalness of this the cool concept of like i said this feels kind of like playing shadow of the colossus in a board game form um i love this game i think it's great uh i'm really it was something that was kind of on my radar and then in the last couple weeks has gotten pretty um popular and really you're starting to see reviews hit and impressions hit for it and it is an absolutely great game uh, the if you know look at the general feedback about it is pretty solid and i have to concur with it this game is awesome and is not going to be leaving my collection anytime soon um and it pretty it plays pretty quickly especially once you both kind of figure out the rules and what you're doing um it plays pretty quickly so it's a really good thing to either start a night with end a night with or if you want to switch roles and switch guardians you can easily play this multiple times in one night and never get bored or never feel like you're doing the same thing over and over again because with all the flexibility of setup and the guardians and the things that you do um you know it it feels like a different game every time and it even has a built-in handicap system so that if someone is a newer player there are ways that you can kind of give them advantages as they play to balance it out and that is good either direction whether they're playing the foxes or the guardians Nice. So it kind of has thought of almost everything. The only thing that maybe you don't know for that system is how much help they need, if that makes sense. Because right. you basically have a there's a way that you can give them additional actions to take. But you might not know how many they're going to need to kind of balance things out. But overall, Skull Hollow, super easy recommend. If you're in the market at all for a two-player board game um, and you are fine with being competitive in that two-player board game, 
I think this one is great because it really is just playing against that other person, looking at the decisions they made, trying to see if you can make better decisions on your side uh, to to win. And I think that there is so much variety in gameplay. Um, it's a super easy recommend. So yeah, I think this is Skull Hollow is a great game, and I, and I hope they continue to support it and release expansions and stuff for it because. You know, I've played through every all the things once, basically. Yeah. Um, and I a still want to play those, but I already want more. I yeah. already want additional. <laughs> um, and that's pretty cool. So yeah, the only down. Okay, so this is a uh, second downfall, I guess, kind of. Even though the first one wasn't a huge one. Um, the insert in the box is awesome. It's so good. But if they do any expansions, nothing else is going to fit in the box. That's the only downfall yeah. to it. And I love when they make awesome inserts like that. I really enjoy it, but then I was like, well, I want there to be way more of this, so that's not going to be super helpful because nothing else will fit in here. <laughs> so, you just have to have a separate box. <laughs> yeah, I try to, I like trying to keep all of my things in one, especially if I'm going to always use everything or have everything be the option. I yeah. like to just be able to grab one box. No, I hear you. So, yeah. That sounds awesome. I think I have to, I have to make sure I pick this one up. Uh, just to to tag onto your skull collar. So it, I believe it it's it retails for forty nine ninety nine if people are looking for it. At least on Amazon that's what it's going for right now. Mm-hmm. Um so shout out to uh Splig for uh basically putting this game in our lap. Um yeah. tweeting that tweeting at us. Um he tagged uh Eduardo uh who immediately reached out to us so a big thank you to uh, Eduardo uh, Baraf or Baraf. I'm sorry if, if we said your last name completely wrong or just a little wrong. Um, but he was super uh, generous and grateful. And also he sent uh, Kyle a French version of Skull Callow, yeah. which we cannot play. So if you are listening. And not you, smart. <laughs> if you're listening. Uh, and you speak French or can read French or are interested in a French version of Skull Callow, send us an email at boardwithvg at gmail.com. Eduardo has said it's okay for us to to give it away to a listener. Um, and if, worst case, no one responds and we can't find anyone that we know, uh, we'll send it right back to Eduardo um, so he can probably use it as a demo or something. Yeah, the one thing I will say is this is a pretty language-dependent game. So if you don't know French, uh, it would be challenging, I think, to play because so much is written on on all of your player boards. A description of how all of your actions work are listed. So you would literally have to basically print out stuff to lay on top of those every time you played until you got all the iconography down. But then if you were trying to teach it to someone... I'd be challenging. So language dependency is important in this game. It's not something like maybe Century, where right. there's a page of instructions and then everything is iconography and it doesn't necessarily matter as much. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So it, if you're like, oh, I kind of know French, let us know. Uh, just just note that there is a lot of text uh, in the game itself on the player boards and in the back of the book. You know, there is the full description of what the powers do and how they work. Whereas it's abbreviated on the player board, so you have to know, oh, this means plus this other little extra bite that's in the okay. book and things like that. So All just right. an important thing to know. So we'll give them two weeks, and if we don't hear anything in two weeks and we can't find anyone we know locally, we will uh, ship it back out. Indeed. But man, Josh, the game, ugh. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah it's good. It's so good. <laughs> yeah. 
This is one of those when you get a game to review, and I think I talked about this last time that every once in a while we get games to review, and it's like, oh man. And this was a game that for review that I was like, oh gosh, can we play again? And Erica's like, I think we're done. I'm like, but I want to play one more time. Let's just play it again. So yeah, I unabashedly really enjoy this game. It's great. So, nice. Uh, enough tabletop stuff. Josh, what have you been playing on your television, sir? Okay. Well, uh, I am still actively playing Apex Legends and I'm getting, I feel like I'm getting much better. I'm getting victories way more frequently. Uh, which is making me feel real good about myself and until I probably play with everyone this upcoming weekend and feel like a noob. <laughs> you are the Apex champion. Yes, that is nice. And I was even on a team where we were the um, bounty team and we still and we won. Nice. So that felt extra special. Uh, I have also started my journey in modern warfare. Uh, I only did campaign stuff so far and i want to say i completed four acts maybe mm-hmm. i don't I, i'm they're not really broken down into acts per se but uh, i've when i saved it and then when i quit there was four like um icons filled in the campaign right page yep i got gotcha. you um, it doesn't show you how many more are left so i don't know how long uh i Played for a few hours. I don't know how, how much more is left for campaign. Um, I'll say to the listeners what I said to you in Discord. <laughs> uh, I really uh, modern warfare gives me more confidence that I might be wrong about the Last of Us 2's quote unquote gameplay graphics um, because modern warfare looks incredible. It looks better than I thought a game could look on this generation of hardware. And the seamlessness between um, extremely high-quality cutscenes, the blending into real combat is great. And it's it doesn't hold your hand. It makes it feel very much more realistic you're not always seeing a little dot on the screen when you zoom in it's mm-hmm. very hard to see bad guys sometimes yeah it's dark it's especially hard sometimes you have to fire at guys flashlights on their guns not the yep. people uh there have already been a crazy amount of stressful and real life scary situations that they have put in the game and that's right mm-hmm. from get-go uh, I'm very impressed. Uh, I I want to play more. I will play more. And I can't wait to play Ground War. And I can't wait to play all these multiplayer battle modes just to, to see what else this game has to offer. But it already feels better than my opinion of a Call of Duty game. All right. Like, and I can't explain that to you or the listeners. <laughs> it's just this... Like, I like Call of Duty games, but there's always this, I want to say, generic feel to every Call of Duty game I play. And this does For not sure. play like... This reminds me of what it was like to play Call of Duty World War II for the first time. It feels like a new game. Right. Um, so I'm really I'm really enjoying it so far. Um, and then I, I just assumed I was going to play this game and hate it. So I was like, I'll just play it to say I played it. And then I'll get back to Modern Warfare. Um, but I started the Outer Worlds, and if you listen to, <laughs> if you probably listen to five episodes of the show, you know I do not like Fallout. Uh, no, you do not. 
and uh, mostly because of the open worldedness and the difficulty to the game if you stray from the beaten path and the lack mm-hmm. of beaten path and the over uh, over encumbering of your character for picking up yeah. objects. So I started the Outer Worlds. I don't even know if I said that yet. I just <laughs> referred to the game you without, did. You did. without the title. Uh, and it's beautiful. Another game. Another uh, game that looks better than I thought it could look on console. It's stunning. It's There's a lot going on. So there's so much to take in. Even from like little creatures that are in the environment that aren't bothering you, but they're just there. Mm-hmm. Like a little frog, lizard things jumping around, doing their own thing. Um, it's it has it's funny. It reminds me. It remind. I know that people are gonna say it's like it's Fallout, but it reminds me more of Knights of the Old Republic mm-hmm. uh, meets Firefly. Like it's basically you can live. In fact, there's part of a ship that is exactly the um, the kitchen quarters from the serenity uh, like down to the table to the to the kitchen like it had to have been made as like an homage to that show right the combat feels real good uh the dialogue trees are like i said just like straight out of mass effect meets knights of the old republic it, this could just as easily be uh a bioware game when bioware was knocking it out of the park mm-hmm. um uh, their inventory slots are way more plentiful so when I do pick up things in fact I started the game and I found this area where I was able to pick up a bunch of stuff and I was like nope I'm not picking that up because I probably don't need it I'm not <laughs> picking that up I'm learning my lesson and then I learned I should have picked it up because I could have I can sell it at some point um, but yeah I only played it for a couple hours today uh, and I can't wait to play more I really had a great time um, and I want to see it. oh and for me, I know you call me. You could call me a simple gamer if you want. It has waypoints, so when mm-hmm. I when I focus on a mission, I know where to go. It doesn't tell me how to get there, but a compass wise, I know which direction to go, and that's a big thing for me. <laughs> so if I do any wanderers, wander, well, I just blanked on the word. If I do any aimless wandering. It's my own fault if I die. <laughs> in fact, I, I I wandered and encountered some like dog-like space creatures, and I decided not to shoot them, and they left mm-hmm. me alone. I was like, "Oh, cool! <laughs> this is good." There you go. <laughs> uh, oh, and I just saw you added on your video games. I didn't add to mine. World War Z. Yeah, uh, and I'll I'll jump in when you talk about that. But we also okay. played World War Z with playing Nintendo himself. We did. We were lucky enough to. He graced us with his presence. I felt very honored during those hours. It was great. Uh, real quick. So here's my question. I mentioned this before the podcast. So I was going to ask you a question. Yeah. But I didn't want to spoil our conversation that would happen. So I didn't ask it. So here's the question. Yeah. I did not put on my list that I am playing still Borderlands 3. Yes. I am still playing it. I'm not done. I'm so close, I think. I, I, I think I am... <laughs> I think there's 23 story missions, and I'm on 20 or 21. So I'm close. Uh-huh. Okay. Do I finish Borderlands 3 before I start The Outer Worlds? Or uh-huh. <laughs> do I just start playing The Outer Worlds? Because I really want to play it. But I also know in two-ish weeks, there's going to be that one Hideo Kojima game. Yes. 
that we need to well that i'll want to play yeah at least see what it's all about and star wars and a couple weeks after that then we'll be or a week after no, that then we'll be star the wars 15th or, it's yeah like the, the eighth, same week well the eighth is death stranding okay. on the 15th so yeah. yeah so like a week later is star wars <laughs> Uh, so what do I do, Josh? Do I play The Outer Worlds? I know you've only played a couple hours, mm. but do I just give up on Borderlands for now? So, this is what I would say. You, you're you playing it because you want, you feel that you need to complete it, but are you actually enjoying what you're playing now? And here, I stopped playing Borderlands. Um, right. <laughs> and... Uh, and I feel bad about it because of how much of a Borderlands fan I am, but I can't, I can't explain what it is about this game that isn't grabbing me like Borderlands Two did. So this is what I'll say: there's going to be DLC, right? Yeah. You'll and at some point I will also complete Borderlands Three, and I will want to play the DLC. I'm sure. If you just have to knock out two story mode, story missions. Just wait till you jump back in with the DLC. Play a game that you might enjoy spending your time with. So you, according to my Xbox achievements, you've still played 12 hours. That's it. Of Borderlands 3. I haven't wanted to go back. And I am now at 42 hours Yeah, of I Borderlands can't, 3. I can't, my, my buddy who I played all the Borderlands games with, Yeah, he's in love with the game. And I'm happy for him. But for what, honestly, I know we're not doing our lists yet, but this could be uh, my greatest disappointments of the year for me. Borderlands 3? Based on the expectations I had for it and Mm -hmm. what enjoyment I got out of it. And the 12 hours I played, I didn't enjoy every hour. Right. So I can't imagine at this point having put 40 hours in. I I know in your head it's probably like, yeah, it's simple just to do those missions and get it over with. Yeah. But if you're not enjoying your time with it, it's okay to not complete those. Well, and I think that's what the hard part is, is that rationally, I totally know that if I'm not having as much fun and all of our time is finite, that I should probably be spending my time on things I'm enjoying more. But I also talked about at the beginning of the year, my goal was to finish (laughs) more games. You did, though. I maybe should have picked a game that wasn't as long. You finished more games. Just I have finished more games. Borderlands in 3 isn't going to kill your. I know. Your... <laughs> I know. But part of me, too, is I'm so darn close now. I just want to get it done. But then I worry about because all the feedback on The Outer Worlds is so super positive, potential game of the year contender. I yeah. think it is something I have to play for sure before I can, you know, look at my list of, of games for the year. But there's probably five other games I should play, too, before I make that list. So, yeah. All right. You might we'll not see. even like it. You might play it and not like it, and then you can get right back into the grudge of Borderlands 3. <laughs> well, and, you know, from what I I understand, it takes, if you want to, a solid hour plus to make your character, because there's so many options. No, it does not your take that long. <laughs> oh, I, I heard that there's a lot of options. There's a lot of options, okay. but if you're spending more than 20 minutes on your character, uh, you're reading too much into the options. <laughs> Don't worry about your eyebrow height or thickness of the brow. Skip those ones. <laughs> gotcha. All right. So that maybe we'll maybe I'll do that then. So in a couple of weeks we can talk about it. But uh, games I have been playing. I did talk a couple of weeks ago about how I was uh, playing a game for review, and I know I mentioned it last week very briefly. Uh, but that was Monkey King Hero is back, uh, a game that we did get receive a review copy of from the publisher THQ Nordic. So just be aware. Um, yeah, it's good. <laughs> I, I don't there like I said there is a video review on PSVG's YouTube 
Uh, the audio was included, I think, at the end of PSVG this week or last week. So there's ways to find my review of it. The The simple way I can say it is that this game feels like a game that came out 10 or 15 years ago. It's not bad. There are just things that we don't do really in games anymore that are part of this game. And that's what makes it really hard for me to give it a full ringing endorsement because the game is very linear. And I'm someone who likes a linear game, but it is very narrow and very linear, like literally walking down or running down canyons all the time, narrow and long (laughs) and just straight. And you just go. And the combat is very simplistic. You know, there's quote unquote combos, but it's did you press you know, square two times or three times. And that's about the extent of the combos. Uh, It's very committed to animations. Um, So once you start, your character starts an animation, there's no animation cancels and the animations are very long. So you can find yourself easily caught into situations that you did not intend. And I know I'm not going to say it's like a Dark Souls game that way, but this game is very, very big on counters and just trying to match your... Or actually, it's very big on hitting your opponent just before they hit you. So it's not really a counter because they haven't, you know, you're not like slipping or or countering. So you want to hit them just before they hit you and it triggers these special events that can happen. But their animations are so much faster than yours are. You have to like predict when they're going to attack more than, oh, I've seen them start attacking. So now I'm going to hit my button. No, you have to like guess. So it's very, very challenging sometimes to make those things happen. So... Uh, but it's like put together well the music is not bad the graphics are pretty solid like it's a good game uh from all those standpoints it just feels a little stuck in time um but if you like a a brawling game this is very much a brawler with really limited um skill trees to upgrade and things like that if you're into that um or if you have seen monkey king heroes back the movie it's based off of uh maybe something to check out i will say one cool thing about it is there's a lot of um, influence from China on this because this was a game that was developed in China. Um, it actually was developed in conjunction with Sony Interactive Entertainment over there, uh, based off of a movie that was made in China uh, with a lot of Chinese history and a lot of Chinese uh, origin stories and some uh, Chinese myth and things like that into it, which is something we don't see often in games. Yeah. So if that's something that interests you, that is a thing that I think is kind of cool to see and, and a different thing to see as far as that goes. Um, but overall, and eh, that's something I think you need to run out and get. ASAP. So, uh, on top of that, uh, Josh mentioned he's playing Modern Warfare. I am also playing Modern Warfare. I've played a bit more than Josh has. I have finished the campaign. It is not super long, Josh, five or six hours. Yeah, I so, figured it would be short. Yeah, yeah, not too, too long. Um, and I agree. The graphics are very good. The During the campaign, there are many tense situation the campaign is full of moments right there is no overarching story that's happening to me the story is is good to find a good uh but the tension that they create in the in the moments is excellent the characters i really like i really like the characters in this game much more than pretty much any other call of duty game for the most part uh you know those games they try to get you other than obviously price they really try to get you into, oh, here's the person and here's who you are, yada, yada, yada. I haven't really fallen into those typically, but in this game, I do like the cast of characters that they have. And I think it's a pretty small group, which I think makes it easier to uh, kind of become part of that. 
Yeah, and they said that there are some challenging moments in this game and there might be some controversy. I don't know if maybe those moments got talked about a little bit too much because there was nothing that made me appalled or made me um, wince or, or squirm. But there were moments I was like, oh, okay, we're gonna do, we're gonna do that. Okay, we'll we'll, we'll try that. Uh, so there there definitely are some comments on war, chemical weapons, terrorism. Like there there are some stuff that is being said about that. So it is interesting because I think if when Game Informer did their cover story on this game, they very clearly talked about how this isn't a political game. I don't know how that answer is even remotely possible. Not even the first mission is politically <laughs> motivated. So, you know, and maybe they're they're saying we, we are not coming out telling you specifically a political message, but the whole game is about politics. The entire Gamer, gamers need to chill out. <laughs> yeah, the whole thing has a political slant to it, if you will. Yes. So, your, everyone's life is ruled by <laughs> politics, one way or the other. It is involved in your life. Yeah. So, but yeah, overall, I, I thought it was a satisfying single player campaign experience. You're right; the game is gorgeous. Uh, but yeah, I enjoyed my time with the single player very much. So, I think it is worth a play for sure. Uh, enough variety of gameplay, great sound, and like I said, there is just a lot of tension in a lot of moments. Um, and they and they vary it up. It's not just the same moment or we're going to tweak it and do it a little different way. They are giving you tension in different ways very regularly. And they help you understand, for better or for worse, you know, why people might choose to do the things they do that, from our perspective, we see as being absolutely horrendous. Yeah. Um, not saying that's okay. Not saying that you should agree with it. Not saying that even it is okay that they did it. And that, you know, or that you can say, well, I guess I have empathy for them. Not Not even trying to do that. But rationally, you can understand. I, yeah. I get why that they would choose that as an option or why they would feel that is their only option to do. So, yeah, enjoyed it. Also, had some time to jump into the multiplayer. I'm not super high level, level 10, 12, something in that ballpark. If you check out online, there's a lot of thoughts about multiplayer online for this game. And I will say I agree with some of them and I disagree with most of them. <laughs> The game feels amazing. The multiplayer feels good. The active shooting feels very solid. There were very rarely moments where I felt that I had been unfairly maybe lost a gunfight or anything like that. Ego sometimes gets in the way a little bit. But outside of that, when I think about it, I'm like, nah, I probably lost that. Um, what I will say, though, is that I don't really like many of the maps. I don't actually know if I actually <laughs> like any of the maps yet, which... Is always a learning curve, right? You have to take some time to get to know and learn the maps and all of this good stuff. And, you know, in Call of Duty, they've always talked about how they, there's this three-lane mentality that there's basically three lanes across a map. Um, and this is especially important for competitive reasons and balance reasons and all this good stuff. Uh, that's not super true in these maps. And even in the maps where it is really true, there are so many angles and windows and things you have to worry about that it's very hard to feel like you can actively engage without being at a disadvantage. So one of the big complaints you'll see online is that they talk about the game rewards camping and does not encourage a fluid movement or a fluid gameplay style. And as someone who plays slowly and methodically, I don't, I don't quote unquote camp, but I also don't sprint a lot. I'm moving through walking my way across the map, doing my thing, I agree with that. It's very hard to effectively, actively engage people because 
you can be looking at, you know, two thirds of your screen saying, okay, I'm going this direction. I'm, I know there's a person around this corner, but that third of your screen, you can't pay attention to because you're in this thing. There's so many places people could come from and do things and, and, um, take you out from, it just makes it very, it almost makes it paralyzing to want to go anywhere <laughs> because you don't, things could be coming at you from everywhere. And I, and so it's like a real game, war. Well, I mean, <laughs> maybe, but it's a game, right? right? And number two, the time to death is so quick in call of duty that realistically more often than not, if you're playing, if you have two people of equal skill level, if I see you first, you're I'm probably going to win, right? Right. So that makes it really challenging when there's so many different ways that people can approach an area from that if I get hit, my ability to turn and do something about it is almost non-existent. The only way I should win that is if that person messes up or is not as good as I am. You know, and you can't rely on those things. Right. So that makes the multiplayer a little bit challenging. All the and some of the spawns are still really bad, really, really bad. I once and I know the white phosphorus is a like big deal, and people are talking about whether that should be in there or not. I spawned in in white phosphorus, <laughs> so that was great. So I just spawned in into it. Uh, you know, I literally spawned into a claymore, so that was cool. Like I spawned and the claymore was there, so I just blew up instantly. Uh, so things like that are happening. Every game that I played for the most part has been wildly one-sided and i have been on both sides of it where i'm on the team that absolutely destroys or i'm on the team that gets absolutely destroyed so i I think some of this will get will shake out a little bit once people figure out the guns they like and all that because i still don't have a setup or a, a loadout that i feel super comfortable with yet so i'm still kind of tweaking all those things and getting there but it's really hard when I have games like I've had games where I've gone eighteen and one or eighteen and two, and then I've had games where I've gone three and ten. Yeah, you know, so it's one of those things that, and it go and it'll be the same lobby, you know, and it'll be mo- pretty similar teams, and just either what spawn you start in or map side or whatever, things just get super unbalanced sometimes. So, like I said, I, I I'm not as down on it as other people are. But I understand the complaints people who play Call of Duty hardcore um, and like it a lot. Like, I understand where they're coming from on it. So, hopefully some tweaks and things will be made. But overall, honestly, a little disappointed in the maps. Just because for a a game series that has had many, many iconic maps uh, to deliver this as their multiplayer map suite is a, a little disappointing. But the 2v2 maps, though, are really good overall. The 2v2 ones are very good, but that's obviously just a small subsection of maps. Um, Yeah, and finally then, uh, World War Z. So this game is on Game Pass, and as we talked about, Josh and I got an opportunity to play it a little bit, and then we also got an opportunity to play it with Donnie. Uh, Basically, Left 4 Dead in the World War Z universe, right? That's it, yeah. So I've talked a lot about my games. Josh, why don't you talk a little bit more about your thoughts on World War Z, all of that good stuff. That's it's fun. Uh, it's it's um, uh, you have chapters if you play this like the campaign version. I believe there's also PvP in the game, but uh, I mean the appeal of World War Z is if you've seen the movie, the zombie pyramids, <laughs> the mm-hmm. zombies climbing on zombies, the right. hordes attacking you, um, and I think it nails that. It really it really gets that feeling down of 
duress, even stress, and you have to be prepared, and that's just part of it. Sometimes you're in a very claustrophobic area where they start funneling in from holes in the wall. You have to, mm-hmm. uh, you have objectives you have to complete, and uh, I really enjoyed it. I, I think it's it was more fun. I think for me. Because how how excited Donnie was, like how much he enjoyed it, I think it made it that much more enjoyable for us. Agreed. At least for me, it did. Um, but it's a good, solid, fun game that I think you could kind of just pick up and and play if you need a yes. stress release or if you just want to have some fun and not have to take anything too seriously. Um, because you will have to repeat missions, and and I think that just is known. Like you mm-hmm. expect that after the first time you die. Uh, the weapons are varied, and and I enjoy them. You level up individual weapons, which is nice, because um, you can kind of focus on a specific st- like style. Uh, mm-hmm. Like Donnie loved the chainsaw, so good for him. Like I'm like that doesn't <laughs> seem practical to me, um, but I ran out of, out of ammo way sooner than he ran out of gas in his chainsaw. Uh, so. Yeah, there's a lot of different things. There's turrets, there's barbed wire. You can kind of settle down and and um, and, um, and protect yourself from the, the horde for as long as that lasts. Uh, it's just really fun. It's really cool. Uh, and it looks good. It's it's a pretty good looking game. And mm-hmm. I haven't noticed any frame rate drops. Yeah. And, and there's a lot of zombies on the screen at the same time. There are for sure. Yeah, it's a it's a good time. I think, you know, we played it because it's on Game Pass. It was a game, though, when it came out in April. It was kind of flying under the radar, but getting some positive buzz about it. And I agree. I think this is a game I will definitely play if you and Donnie are around or just you are around and want to play. I will jump in. I don't know how much I would play this by myself because the yeah. AI companions you have are not the brightest. Yeah, they're bad. <laughs> they, they definitely <laughs> messed things up for us more than one time. But, yeah, playing with friends is great. The there is a bit of a downfall to the how weapon XP is done because it is literally for each specific weapon. Yes. So if you want to get better weapons, you have to use a very small subsection of weapons, but you run out of ammunition so often that unless you're buying <laughs> an ammo box, you're switching to these other things. So then you don't feel like you're really accomplishing a ton all of the time as far as making your weapons better because you just get a little bit of XP and a whole bunch of different weapons. Yeah. But, you know, and I get it from that standpoint because, you know, there are things they potentially would like you to purchase <laughs> to yes. make those things a little bit better. And as a Game Pass game, I don't necessarily feel so bad about that. Uh, but if I had paid a lot of money for the game, I, I might have felt slightly differently about it. But, yeah, overall, fun. I, I'm enjoying it. It surprised me how much I'm enjoying it. Uh, something that I think will stay installed on my hard drive for quite some time just on the off chance that you all ever want to jump on and play. And I think because the learning curve isn't super steep as far as knowing what you need to do. Yeah. Shoot the zombies, get to the point. Shoot That's the right. zombies, get to the point. <laughs> and the controls are basically your standard first-person shooter controls uh, or third-person shooter controls. So, yeah, it is what you kind of expect the game to be, but I mean that in the absolute best possible way. Yes. Yep. So, awesome. Anything else you've been playing at all, sir? No, sir. All right. <laughs> Real quick before we go to our topic, Josh, yeah. have you heard these rumors? Oh, yeah. It's something will be missing because we're recording early. <laughs> Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. So I do <laughs> want to talk about this briefly. So uh, next weekend, obviously, Josh talked about how he's doing Extra Life. 
I am going to be at a conference for work. As a result, we cannot record next weekend for our episode that would release the first week of November. So we're recording Thursday on Halloween our episode for what would be like November 5th or something like that, whatever that Tuesday is. So we're recording quite a bit ahead of time. And what is happening between when we record (laughs) and when our episode airs, because it's supposed to be a news episode, we might change that. We'll see what happens since we're recording so early. But BlizzCon is happening in there. Mm-hmm. Josh. Yeah, you mean, I thought you weren't going to say ChinaCon? <laughs> is that what I was supposed to say? No. <laughs> that, I get it, but that's that's funny. So BlizzCon is supposed to happen in there. And I, I am really interested because I'm kind of bummed that we can't talk about BlizzCon until a week later, basically. We could talk about it Thursday, but I mean... <laughs> <laughs> We're just predicting. Maybe that's what our Thursday episode will be, is predicting what happens at BlizzCon, and then our, our episode releases on Tuesday, yeah. and we're just wrong about everything. <laughs> we'll just do this, a straight-up straight news show. Yeah, so at BlizzCon, they announced XYZ, and then just everything's wrong. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, what do you what do you think is going to happen, man? Do you think there's going to be lots of protests and stuff? Uh, there will most definitely be... A form of protest, for sure. Uh, that's unavoidable. Uh, but they are also no. There's no way they're not going to do their best to identify the people and keep mm-hmm. them out. Right, for uh, sure. Because they also are doing a show. Yeah. And they need to do a good show, and they need to not. We don't need like people throwing red paint on fur coats, kind of things happening right. while someone's up there trying to to talk about this industry and. Um, whether we've talked about it on the podcast or just in Discord, this is a corporation making tough decisions that affect designers, developers, and general general nice people. Right. So that is also um, a problem. So I, I don't know what to expect. I hope nothing stupid happens. I hope everything is peaceful. Yeah. I hope uh, – honestly – and BlizzCon is for the fans. I just really wish they would do no BlizzCon and do um, like a direct because it seems safer. I mean, it does, but also at this time they have so many things planned for it. They can't really not do it at this point. Right. Uh, I mean, they could, but it would, that'd be kind of messed well, up. They'd they have did. to cancel all the tournaments, which is really yeah. big. And I right. mean, I get it. Logistically, it would be a nightmare, but I just, I'm just generally worried because, because, this is a very volatile group of consumers that will be there. Yeah. And, you know, if they want to protest, they're welcome to protest. I, do, I just hope that the protest is that they choose to do is an effective way of getting their message across and not just an effective way of trying to disrupt everything. Right. Which sometimes, depending on what you're protesting, that is the appropriate thing to do in that situation. But I don't know. Maybe in the situation it's not. I don't know. But... I'm really interested. Obviously, you know, the big leaks slash rumors right now are Diablo 4. There was an article or an ad from a German magazine or something that got leaked that talked about Diablo 4. Yeah. And and then uh, Overwatch 2 are, are kind of the big two leaks right now. And Diablo uh, so, 2 Remastered. And Diablo 2. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Uh, obviously, when Overwatch 2 stuff started happening, I went down that rabbit hole pretty yeah, deeply and didn't really necessarily <laughs> come up for anything else. But yeah, so it'll be interesting to see if those things happen. Do you think if they come out on stage and they're like, Diablo 4, Overwatch 2, Diablo 2 Remastered, and something else that isn't Diablo Mobile, uh, do you think that's enough for the fans just to be like, okay, great, thank you? Or do you think that 
there's still going to be some discontent and unrest. So uh, I still think it's such a tough decision. I don't, I don't want people to just get new stuff and then just let what's happening slide. I'm, I'm still on the, I'm right solidly in the middle. I don't want people who work for Blizzard to lose their jobs because of the political decision made by Blizzard, whoever's making those decisions. I also think that the people who are protesting what's happening are protesting a very important issue. So I don't yep. want that to be just dusted under the rug because they announced Overwatch 2. Right. So I don't I don't know that anything would necessarily make me super happy either way. <laughs> um, but I think... For fan service, if mm-hmm. they wouldn't even have to announce something else, if they announced Diablo 4 and Overwatch 2, they have all their competition beat for the next year. <laughs> well, it's, it would be crazy. And it's interesting, too, because depending on what part or what rumors you prescribe to, especially obviously for Overwatch 2, which is where I'm spending my time looking, uh, some are saying it's going to be out by the end of the year. And that would be insane, but not, so. not unheard of. Yeah, because there's it's unclear right now as to whether Overwatch 2 is going to purely be a PvE game. Right. And the PvP part of Overwatch is just going to kind of be part of it as well. Kind of like if you think of, you know, Uncharted has their multiplayer suite. It's like instead of adding multiplayer later, we're just adding the single player later, but the multiplayer suite stays the same. So the keep Overwatch multiplayer, dump in six new characters and a new single player campaign. Well, from what I don't know that it'd be six new characters. I think actually what it would right, but something similar to that. It couldn't be one character if they're if they're gonna tag it into Overwatch two. I think it would have to be more than a new character. I I think kind of how they're gonna get around it is what the current rumor is is it's going to go back to the kind of initial incident that happened. So you're gonna get young versions of new of current characters. So Genji before all of his you know. Before he became mechanical again, and all of those kind of things. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So that would be interesting. But you know, there's another rumor. Then this is where things are really unclear. Is that there's a new multiplayer game mode coming apparently, but we don't know necessarily if that is exclusive to two or if they're pushing everything to two. So what would that mean for like Overwatch League next year? Yeah. And then how early would they need to get the game out if so Overwatch League teams could practice or at least make it available to the team so they could practice on this new format or this new game? Because it sounds like, too, that, you know, the things that I always talk about Overwatch not needing are coming as far as abilities and levels up and all of that kind of stuff that, you know, Dev and those people who are into those style of the game talk about apparently is part of this. But is it just part of the PvE or is it also in the PvP? All of these things to be figured out. So the Overwatch community right now is all a buzz about what all of this could mean. So speaking of rumors, did you hear about the TV show thing? The esports TV show? Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's a sitcom from the writers yeah. who did Big Bang Theory, but it's going to yeah. have Rick Fox in it as a retired coach of a team. Oh, I didn't hear Rick Fox was going to be in it, and he was also on Big Bang Theory. Yeah, well, because I heard Johnny Galecki was um, attached to it as is well. Is he really? Yeah, yeah so I, I, heard I heard Rick Fox so. is going to play like a retired coach of a team <laughs> that gets brought back into it or something. Yeah, well, I have a feeling I have a feeling that if it's going to be from the writers of The Big Bang Theory, no one who actually plays video games will actually like the show. <laughs> well, didn't we see like a weird TV show thing at the last BlizzCon? Or was that at E3? Oh, that was at E3. That was at Ubisoft's presentation. Yeah, the Ubisoft one, yeah. And I don't know that that show ever came out. 
Well, I don't. I don't know when it was supposed to. I think it was going to be on Apple TV, wasn't it? Like oh, Apple's was it? TV Maybe network. That's what it yeah. Is. So, all right. Well, we'll move on here. We're going to talk about the topic of the show, uh, and it's almost Halloween. So, well, you know, this show releases a couple days before Halloween, and while many podcasts and websites are awash with scary game recommendations, we're going to do things a bit differently. We're going to go and investigate if there are particular mechanics that make us cringe. Are there themes that make us weep? Is there art that makes us run? Yes, we are going to talk about the things that actually scare us away from playing a game in the first place. So we're going to look at those things that if we hear X about a game, it makes us turn and run for the hills. So we'll be talking about this both from the board game perspective and from the video game perspective. Uh, I don't know if you have a preference if we just intermix them, Josh, or do you want to start with one group? What are your thoughts, sir? I am open to whatever you want to do. All right, let's talk about board games for a while then. Josh, Cool. what is something when you hear... It connected to a board game makes you go, yeah. So it's not necessarily when it's something that's said, but something that is visually seen. Mm-hmm. Um, and Sentinels of, Sentinels of the Multiverse is the is the leading cause of this. Uh, <laughs> a game that I think I think is just ugly to look at is is scary to me, and I won't. I typically won't give the game a shot i did play sentinels of the multiverse because it was brought to a game night but right. i would never on my own pick up sentinels of the multiverse and and there's a game from a big publisher that's coming out this year uh that i will not name um but it's supposed to be a big game and not only is the cover art of the box terrible but all the card look horrible in my opinion i will not play that game and it's i don't mean to insult artists because i I can't draw a stick figure so i'm not a a art critic right but for board games usually video games if it was not a good looking video game i would have the same problem but there's so much more i think for me that it has to be visually going on in a board Mm -hmm. game for it to to work than a video game i think well, that's part of the problem with a stylized art style, right? If you choose to go down that route, there are going to be some people who are just not going to appreciate your game as much. Yes, absolutely. Yep. And, and just like some people have favorite designers, some people have artists that they, they just don't like their stuff and they won't play their games. Um, so I realize it's like borderline superficial of me to care that much about like art in a board game, but I, I, I'm not opposed to... Um, someone like changing my mind and say, you really have to try this game. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I wouldn't say that if I liked it, I wouldn't say it was bad still because of the art. Right. But to get that initial investment, like something that literally scares me away from a game is bad art. Right. Okay. And you mentioned this game. So why do you hate Sentinels of the Multiverse so much? I know we've talked about that. You don't like it many times. It looks why? like a five-year-old drew all the art for it. I is hate that- it. Is that why you don't like the game? Yeah, it has it's nothing terrible. to do with mechanics and how the game No, no, plays? the mechanics are fine. Okay. I tell you, like, so, it's just one of the ugliest games I've ever played. That's fine. Okay. <laughs> I just didn't know where, where all the dislike for that game came from. And I just, yeah, the arc. I don't genuinely enjoy looking at it while I play it. 
And when you have gotcha. a whole can- when you have a whole hand of cards that you're constantly looking at, <laughs> art is very important. No, absolutely, one hundred percent is. All right. So for me, and this is almost kind of embarrassing for me to say because it, it makes me I feel like sound like a snob for what I'm about to say. More than I sounded like a snob. <laughs> well, I think so. I think so because anytime a game is introduced to me. And somebody tells me it is a party game. Oh, I'm out. Really? I have my immediately. I go to. Uh, I don't know if I want to play this. But here's the kicker: there's a ton of games that are party games that I really like. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what it is about that term. But as soon as somebody's like, "Oh yeah, we have this party game," I immediately am don't want to participate. Even and then there's a high chance that I'll play it and like it still. But for whatever reason, when I hear that term, I just want to bounce. And I don't know if it's because of experiences when I was younger or just getting into board games, playing party games that didn't go great or what it was. Or maybe I'm too competitive and I care too much and I think that no one else is going to take it seriously. So I don't want to worry about that. I don't know. But when I hear party game, I just I I, ugh, I just want to like walk away, slowly back out of the room do the whole Homer into the bush thing and bounce. (laughs) Like, I don't want to be involved with that. And like I said, I don't totally understand why, because I've played a lot of party games that I really enjoy, but that is the one term when I hear party game, I want to just kind of disappear and not have to worry about it. But I know you love party games. I do. And I have a friend who's like you, who he, uh, will not play party games. Uh, but if we get him to play a game and not say it's a party game, right. He will generally enjoy most most of the time. Not every game, but right. He just and he it, just doesn't enjoy party games. I don't. I think he doesn't like. He's also very competitive, mm-hmm. so I don't think he likes the social aspect of it as too. Because like party games, uh, generally don't stay on track. Yeah, very. And true. people don't care if you don't finish the game. Typically, in a yeah. party game. Yeah, and I think I think I'm more open to things that are just activities. Sure. But if there actually is a game supposed to be being played and we just stop keeping score or stop doing the how you quote unquote win thing, I'm like, why are we playing this? <laughs> like, what's the point? Why are we playing the yeah. game? Because it's not a game anymore. Now we're just doing an activity. So I don't know. But and I think now when I've, I've been thinking about this, sitting here mulling over, I have a hard time in a cooperative game, since it's all of us typically playing cooperatively, I'm okay if we don't win. But if I'm on a team and I can't control or have a lot of influence necessarily on the outcome, and as a result, we lose to another team, I think I get frustrated by that. (laughs) Yeah, that's very competitive. Which probably (laughs) makes me sound like a a jerk, right? No, it just makes you sound competitive, that's all. (laughs) So, So anyway, party games, that's something that makes me turn and head for the hills typically. Uh, Josh, another one board game related that uh you you tend to shy away from the word miniatures which is probably similar to your party game thing because there's a whole world of miniatures however there's plenty of games now that say miniatures that are really just truly board games yep with miniatures so um i think it's like a polarizing uh, word for me because i am completely in utterly um overwhelmed by the world of miniature games Mm -hmm. and i don't want to get involved because of the the time suck the money suck and uh 
space, which I I don't have any of those three to give to that world. Right. And I and I think that that is that fights um, against my want for competitive games. I, f- I feel like miniatures are very competitive mm-hmm. from what I know of them. Right. And I don't. I get really stressed if if a mistake I make can affect the enjoyment of someone else's game. And and basically miniatures is the math of board games for me. Yeah. Or it's actually it's the, it's the, like the quantum physics of board <laughs> games for me. Um because there's plenty of board games that I enjoy that have math. Um so it's it's just something that is completely uh overwhelming as an idea and something I I just uh, it, it is literally scary to me. I'm just I, I don't want to enter that world. <laughs> Understandable. Uh, for me, the next one that happens, and this is more when I am deciding whether or not I want to learn more about a game or when I'm first scoping out a game to see if it would be interesting or if a game's getting a ton of hype. One of the first things I do is I go to the player count. And <laughs> if it says three plus, yep. I just stop. Because I have, I think on my shelf, four games that I've had for at least two years that have a minimum player count of three players that I have yet to play. <laughs> because when people come over or when we get group game groups together, no, they're just a game that isn't appealing to people or they just don't feel like they're in the mood for to play. Uh, oftentimes, they're games that people that I play games with regularly have never played because they're in the same boat that, oh, I've played X game because I can play it with my partner or my other friend, but I've never played this game because it requires three or more players. Yeah. You know, so... As soon as I see that three plus, and I recognize that for a lot of games, that's the definitely the best way to play them or the only way to play them. It immediately makes me, if I'm at a game store, I put the game down, I'm back on the shelf, slowly back away from it, and just go look for something else because I just I can't make those investments anymore because they just don't they don't happen and they could be great games, they could be absolutely amazing games. It has nothing to do with how good the game could be, just. I know the reality of my situation and it scares me away. <laughs> I hear you. Okay. Well, my last one for board games is also my first one for video games. Ooh, a double. Yeah. And it is, and in fact, it's, it's almost universal to media. <clears throat> if you tell me I have to dedicate a certain amount of time to something to enjoy it, I am immediately turned off. <laughs> if you say to me hey did you play fallout and i'm like yeah and i i just i really didn't like it and then you're like well yeah but you gotta play like for six hours before the game gets good uh or sad board game you gotta play like three or four games before you really like get the feel for it and enjoy mm-hmm. what you're doing no i have way too many other options and things i could be doing to maybe like something more after dedicating more time to it than I dedicate to other things once. Right. Right. Uh, and the same thing goes for for movies and TV shows. Um, except I feel like in movies and TV shows, it's a little easier because you're not physically doing anything. Mm-hmm. So it might be a little easier to give it a shot. But if I don't like a board game, there's a chance I'm not going to try it again. Definitely not three times. Right. So if you're telling me it takes four to five times before I enjoy it, I'm I'm not gonna play that game. It's immediately turning me off. 
Uh, so to keep it into topic, it scares me away from it. And right. And the same for video games. Uh, I just don't. I don't want that. I play the like Game Pass is great because I pop, I install four games. Mm-hmm. I, I play twenty minutes of each game, and I did, I just did it the other night for Steam. I went through my Steam library again. I popped every game I haven't tried yet. Played it for five to twenty minutes. If I enjoyed it, I kept it on my computer. If I didn't mm-hmm. think I would play it more, I deleted it. Simple as that. That's what, I'm not going to spend. <laughs> 15 hours playing Road Redemption to see if it picks up for me. (laughs) No, I played it. It wasn't great. I don't need it. Um, It's I think it's different when you are buying these games on your own. Like if I bought a $60 board game, right? Not having played it. I think maybe I have uh, more of a temptation to either research my investment or play it again. But I think Mm -hmm. two times is my limit. Gotcha. I can understand that. It, I I sometimes understand the must play or must experience X amount of time in order to fully understand or appreciate what something does. I get that, but I also say it is completely reasonable if someone does not want to invest that time. Right. I don't think that's an unreasonable Yeah, I mean, thing. some games are complicated that you yep. can't just pick it up on the first time. Right. You know, I think of like Persona 5. At 10 hours... You mo- I think about at 10 hours is where you have like kind of completed all of the tutorials and you are now into what the day-to-day <laughs> yeah. experience of the game is. That's, that's the scariest like thing 10 I've hours. heard all month. <laughs> <laughs> Which that is, is me terrifying. finishing the Modern Warfare campaign twice, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. So, but yeah, okay. Uh, for me, my last board game one uh, is this is one of those things that I actually really like it but i probably like it too much so it causes bad things if that makes sense (laughs) no but please go on (laughs) uh and that is collectible card game because my goodness do i like a good collectible card game (laughs) but i know what my experiences with that have been in the past and that is not good so i have to go away i i don't like what the resulting impact could be because when I look at it, I say, that's bad. That's not good. I spent far <laughs> too much money and was pretty irresponsible when it came to how I spent my money when I played Magic the Gathering. So now anytime I see one or when I get the itch to go back to Magic and I think, oh, maybe I'll just get, I'll just play Commander or I'll just play Popper or I'll just play X format or something to keep the cost down. That's how it starts. I know it's not going to stay that way. So I just have to say, no, I can't do this. I have to go away from this. So no matter how cool a collectible card game sounds, and a lot of them sound really cool to me, I know that I need to basically scare myself away because (laughs) otherwise it's going to result in very negative things. So CCG or any variety of that for me is something that is very scary sounding. Mostly because of what it could do to my wallet. <laughs> All right, Josh, you kind of covered your first-ish video game one. What else do you have for video games? Um, Platformers. If you tell me a game is a platformer, based off of my experience, it is an immediate turnoff for me. And this, I guess, is like just like your party game thing. I might like it. There's definitely mm-hmm. platformers I enjoy. Um. But if you tell me, hey, there's this new platformer out, I I couldn't be less interested. Mm. 
Um, also, I'm going to throw Metroidvania right into that category. Might be Ooh. the ugliest term for an, an, like not. I I hate the sound of Metroidvania as a name. It takes two good games on their own and mixes them <laughs> together, which they shouldn't be. Um, same thing. There's definitely Metroidvania games I enjoy. I just really hate the name of that for some reason. Why it's do like you nails think Met- on a chalkboard. <laughs> Why do you think Metroid gets its full name in there, but Castlevania doesn't? Castle-roid. I, I don't know, because I, it just I sounds Castle- better. <laughs> Castle-roid would be sweet. I'd want to play a Castle-roid. That sounds awesome, doesn't it? No, it sounds like something you go to the doctor for, not something <laughs> that you want to play. Uh, yeah, so platformers um, just have never appealed to me, unfortunately. Um, as much as I want to like them, there are definitely a, a, a unique group that I do enjoy. But that definitely scares me away from a game, I would say, as well as the Metroidvania terminology. Or anything like, this is a new 8-bit retro-themed game. Okay, I'm over the 8-bit stuff. Let's move on to new you just did, You just did a 3-in-1. There you go. I made up for it. <laughs> Uh, for me, this is actually interesting because five, six years ago, I would have said this is not the case, that this would have been something that would have made a game appealing to me, that I would have said, yes, I want to play that game. And now more and more every day, I it makes me take pause and start backing away and, and really trying to determine whether or not I want to play that game. And that is anytime a game is said to have a huge or massive open world. Yeah. Hey, it's like you read my list. <laughs> <laughs> I Man, not that long ago, I would have been all in on that. And the older I get and with where my time is for gaming, I really appreciate a succinct package that I can sit down and experience in a week or two or even over the course of a month with my typical game time. And the bigger games get and the more time that companies want us to invest in them. And I get why they do, right? That it's expensive to make games. They want to make it so that we are spending hours and hours and hours with them. So we're not turning them back into, you know, trading them back in. That we're able to do microtransactions to help continue to support things. That they can sell us DLC. I get it. But I just really don't enjoy those like I used to. And in general you know, shy away from them far more than I used to. I, I really like Assassin's Creed Odyssey still. Like, I think it's a great game, but the size of the map is extremely daunting to me, and that's why I put it down and go away from it as often as I do, because I know I can get this other thing done where I'm 40 hours into that game, and whereas it doesn't feel like a drag like Borderlands does, but I know I'm nowhere near done. Yeah. I, but part of that's because I also it's easy to put down because I know I'm not close to being done with it because I I know I have at least double that time left, you know, to to finish it. So yeah, massive open or huge open worlds uh, immediately make me run in fear. What is your next one, sir? Uh, so my next one is in the mechanics category, and it's a uh, any game that forces me to change characters in game, and that also. I'm trying to explain it correctly where it's necessary that you have to be multiple characters to achieve objectives. So uh, like I just played a PC game yesterday where you have one character in this game who uh, is physical attacks and he can break down doors 
Mm-hmm. And that's what he does. But there's also another character you have to switch to when you're in a room where you can't get out of because she can go through walls. Mm-hmm. And then you are and you have different attacks, their weaker attacks, their range. Um, I don't like I, I guess when I play a game, I prefer to to invest my time as one, in one character and not be forced to change characters. Right. I think it might be different. Um like obviously fighting games are different where you want to play multiple characters, uh, but you're doing that in single serving like pieces. Like you're like, okay, play a sub zero. Now I'm going to play a scorpion so I can like mm-hmm. master them. But it's not like, um, like tech and tag. Like you have two, like if we're going to use fighting games in this, you're still picking the two characters you're using. Uh, it's not like there's definitely been older games, maybe like Fighting Force. I don't know if you remember that, where certain characters are needed to do certain things to progress in the game, or even like some of the Ninja Turtles games, the later ones where you you'd have to switch between mm-hmm. the turtles to achieve objectives. Like it's just for me, there's nothing appealing to that, and I'm not sure if that's a me thing uh, or if other people feel the same way, but it's kind of um i don't know frustrating to me it's not even like final fantasy because i can think like people might think i i mean i don't like final fantasy because you have right but you're controlling them all at the same time right what what did get frustrating to me was when i have a full party but there's characters i want to use that i can't put in my party yeah um so there's definitely part times in final fantasy where that is a real problem to me right Uh, especially like if i need a character who's great at healing and then I also need a character who is strong in like flame damage, and I can't have both in my party. Right, I have to take out an important element of my party. That stuff is very frustrating to me, and I think I'm at the point where um, uh, that would scare me off of games now. Gotcha. All right. Uh, mine is actually another way that uh, I interface with games, and it's something I should like, but I just don't. Uh, anytime something that's described as, described as a strategy or tactical RPG, mm. I I just as someone who plays a lot of board games, you would think I would be down for that, but for whatever reason, I am not. When it comes to, and that's why I haven't played like Fire Emblem or these games because I just don't really enjoy that type of video game, and I don't know why. You know, or if, I guess if you want to call it a tactics game. I I just don't they don't scratch that itch for me and I see them and I just don't have fun when I play them. So I just try to stay as far away from them as I can. The only potential exceptions to that would be like Valkyria Chronicles. I think those games are pretty fun. But outside of that, I oh man, I hear that and I am immediately just noping out of there. It's not a thing that I'm gonna probably enjoy. So how many more do you have, sir? Well, I have one more and then I mean, um, open world games is like another one, but you okay. kind of kinda hit that nail for me. Perfect. Let's each do one more and we'll call it. All right. So my last one for video games is probably my biggest pet peeve for video games, uh, specifically console. It's PC games that were ported to console that have terrible controls. Um, specifically, uh, and and I would also include maybe some of the new board games, um, that have been poorly uh, um, implemented into the video game uh, atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Uh, games that clearly need a mouse and keyboard to play, uh, or games that clearly took the UI from a PC game and ported it 
over to a console and any RTS game ever on a console. And I enjoy <laughs> Halo Wars, um, but that is not a game. I did not play Halo Wars 2 because I played Halo Wars and I the whole time I played it, any enjoyment I was getting was removed by the need to use a mouse and keyboard. Right. Um, and maybe that's because I was a PC gamer and I'm bringing that like stereotype with me and that knowledge mm-hmm. of how it could be better. Um, but there's also like lazy porting of PC games to console also where it doesn't look good or you can tell they haven't updated the graphics or, or remastered it, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, or like any game where you turn on your Xbox and there's a mouse pointer on this title screen for your navigation. That's not console gaming has surpassed the mouse pointer. Right, for uh, sure. So that has always uh, really bugged me. All right. My last one is one that is probably going to sound a little mean, and I don't mean it to, because this company has definitely produced games that I really enjoy. Microsoft. No. Oh. <laughs> I said they produce games that I enjoy. No, I'm kidding. I actually like a lot of Microsoft <laughs> games. I'm totally kidding. I like a lot of Microsoft games. Uh, anytime the word Bethesda is included with the game. <laughs> now let me explain this though. Cuz this isn't this is doesn't necessarily have to do with Fallout 76 which my goodness, Fallout 76 has season pass. Whew. Or not season pass, <laughs> but the priority membership whatever thing. That's a whole other thing we could talk about. Bethesda does an amazing job of getting me really excited about their games. Uh I think when from E3 this year of my top five favorite moments of E3, I think two of them came from Bethesda's conference. I love the wolf, the the two mainline Wolfenstein games that have come out. There are things that Bethesda does that I really, really enjoy. I think the Dishonored games are good. I, did, I don't know that I like them as much as other people did, but I, I enjoy them, right? But almost everything Bethesda has ever done, I am more excited about it than maybe what they're able to deliver. And I think in some ways, like I said, it's kind of their own fault because they do a really good job of getting me invested and excited about what they're going to do. And then if I do play the game, I just, it really just doesn't usually get there for me. And like you, not a huge Fallout fan. I have a less high uh, in enjoyment for things like skyrim than most Mm. people do um you know obviously then too if you look at like rage 2 which i was looking awesome (laughs) and the marketing was great for and then i played it was not that great if you look at obviously i haven't played fallout 76 but just everything about fallout 76 has made me feel kind of bad not even play the game so right now that if i hear bethesda is doing something a studio that four or five years ago i've been i would have said awesome i now am a little bit trepidatious about and and say huh well i guess maybe that'd be interesting to learn more but yeah like they cut great trailers I just I, I've lost a little faith though in their ability to d- to deliver sure, on, on, on those things. So, so those are the things that we find scary. Josh, are are some of our dear listeners told us what they find scary or what scares them away from games? Why don't you take us through it? Cool. Let's start with at PSVG Kevin. Uh, Kevin Austin says sometimes the complexity of some games can scare me off, or unfortunately, if it's theme and or complexity makes it so my family doesn't want to play and i 100 percent agree with that i if i do look up a board game on board game geek and i see 
that the weight is like above a 3.5, I typically mm-hmm. won't get it. Um, not that I not not I won't necessarily enjoy it, but I feel like it's harder for me and my wife to get a game like that to the table and enjoy it. Yeah, and I think on the other hand, I think my wife would prefer I never bought a game below a three. <laughs> yeah, so it's really interesting. Yeah, that's definitely definitely. Uh, and and I think uh, theme theming is important too. I think Kevin hit on that too. Theming is important. There's definitely games with strong themes that I have no interest in. Yeah, I don't know that I care as much about theme as probably other people do. I think there are themes I enjoy more, yeah. but I don't know that there's a theme that I am totally against. Like, I'm not even totally sick of zombies and stuff. That's fine. If it's sure. done well, I'm totally open to it. Uh, and I do like the weird themes of board games. I like that there are board games about food, about clothing, about delivering cattle. Like, I like that those things exist. I think it's cool. Yeah. Hey, I mean, good. They need you to buy their game. <laughs> I know. And I do. <laughs> Uh, next one is from William. I'm sorry if I always say your last name wrong. Herkowitz. Uh, he says, haunted by app requirements, uh, which <laughs> he's very punny. Spooked, he does great. Spooked by solo games. Absolutely terrified of silly party games where, quote, everybody wins, unquote. Uh, I agree. Uh, app requirements worry me about the future of board games. For sure. Um Solo games I have tried. I only have ever played role player successfully solo, and I definitely did not necessarily have a good time playing by myself. Right. Um, I always wanted to play with other people on that one. And we do have. We both have Unbroken. We should probably try that. Yeah, it's supposed to be good. I know that's what I've heard, and we neither one of us have played it yet. Well, don't forget they also have a GoFundMe if you want to help them out. They do. They do. <laughs> Uh, spooked by terrible marketing (laughs) (laughs) and awful project management. Um, and then terrify. I can't agree with William on the, uh, party games. I love silly party games where everybody wins. Everybody wins is fine with me. So, okay. Everybody wins is fine in party games. Are you cool with shared victories in board games? So that there's, they tie, here's tiebreaker one. And if, tiebreaker one is still a tie then you celebrate your shared victory are you cool with that yeah if it doesn't happen too often if it's a game where we're playing and you're always tying i think that's uh, more troublesome but if it happens once or twice i I think i'm okay with that still gotcha what about the rest of those you agree with him on those the app Um, requirements solo games yeah app requirements definitely uh solo games i don't you know i played seventh continent a bit by myself i need to play it more and it's just hard because typically if I have time to play a game. I'm going to play it by myself. I'm going to play a video game. And that's always the hard part for me because if I have board game time, uh, then I'm going to be playing a multi, you know, at least a two person plus game. So that's always the hard thing. I, I don't avoid them because I don't want to play them. They just don't fit very well with all the things that we have to do just to even do this podcast. Yeah. Uh, But yeah. And I think this, you know, the silly party games where everybody wins, this might be even one of the reasons why party games spook me in general is <laughs> it i i'm cool with doing an activity i am cool with playing a game we just need to know which one we're doing before we start <laughs> sure i hear you all right cool uh, uh at dopalicious says grand theft ellipses usually give most things a shot but those have just never jived with me and I agree. I'm on the same boat. Uh, I've always wanted to like Grand Theft Auto. I don't think I've 
actually truly enjoyed a Grand Theft Auto game until I played Grand Theft Auto V with Lucas on mm-hmm. PC, um, but only because we were doing the multiplayer. So for me, yeah, I agree. Right. What about you, Grand Theft? I actually the only Grand Theft Auto game I've really put a ton of time into is Grand Theft Auto V. I tried the other ones in a kind of same boat; they just weren't really for me. Uh, I enjoyed what I played at five, but I definitely didn't finish it. Kind of got into the same thing of this is taking too many hours. I got too much other stuff to do. Um, so yeah, no, I, I agree. Just not my bag of tea. I think sometimes Josh, we are a very odd podcast. Apparently, a lot of the things that are really mainstream and awesome, we don't maybe really like as much. And, and that's we're not trying what to be makes us unique. I know we're not trying to be <laughs> contrarian though. We're not just not liking no. them. It's just not our cup of tea. Yep, there's something for everyone out there. Indeed. And most of those things are not for us. <laughs> Ending it out is playing Nintendo. Donnie Bossman Reese says, typically the following buzz terms, rogue anything and online multiplayer focused only. And I 100% agree. I actually, well, I do like the rogue games. I like that. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but the online multiplayer focused only is a real turnoff to me. In fact, if there is multiplayer in a game, I get it's usually... A secondary thought that's never the real reason why i typically buy a game apex legends being the exception to that rule i think yeah i mean it's hard for me to say i don't like online multiplayer games because you know my however many thousands of hours in overwatch at this point uh say otherwise to that yeah Uh, and i love rogue games rogue legacy dead cell like i love rogue based games really wanting to play children of mortha still this year uh, so I enjoy that category in general. I think they're fun and an interesting way to do things. Uh, so as is often the case, Donnie and I disagree about things. So. <laughs> and those are all of our listener replies. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, everyone. We always appreciate when you're communicating with us and letting us know what your thoughts are at Board with Fiji uh, on Twitter or email address boardwithfiji at gmail.com. We love when you're part of the show. Well, Josh, we're kind of getting to the end of the podcast here, so let's wrap things up with a well-rounded life recommendation. Obviously, we're a gaming podcast, but Josh and I do other things, too. So we want to let you know what else we're into we're doing right now that's helping us live that well-rounded life. Josh, what would you like to recommend for the dear listener? Well, my recommendation this week, I, I, I was torn between a few different things, but I talked about one of them on PSVG DLC. Um which was the movie Creep, which I would definitely say is an interesting watch. Uh, But my pick for us is The Watchmen, the series on HBO. Uh, I would say, so it's technically a, it's in the future uh, from the Watchmen movie. Mm -hmm. However, it's, it's actually not really beholden to what you know about the Watchmen movie. It's, it sets itself apart while remaining in the same universe. So if you maybe liked the graphic novel more than the movie, I still think you might enjoy this. However, if you enjoyed the movie, I do think you will also enjoy this. It is very well written. Uh, obviously, I'm basing it off of one episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second episode is it has just aired an hour ago while we were recording. And... Uh, it deals with tough issues, but it also uh, is very stylized and it looks great. The acting is fantastic. Um, I'm really looking forward to see uh, where the show goes. And it, it definitely has some heavy political 
uh, stances, which is what the Watchmen was very was notably known for uh, when the comic came out. So uh, check it out. Just give it one episode. Excellent. And if you like it, keep watching. <laughs> All right. That is The Watchmen on HBO. Uh, my recommendation this week is a documentary. Imagine that. <laughs> uh, Got to get back to my to what I'm known for. Uh, a documentary on Netflix called The Game Changers. Uh, this documentary is about the reason I got interested in it is the main star slash narrator of it is a former UFC fighter named James Wilkes, who actually won maybe season five of the Ultimate Fighter, something like that. Anyway, uh, it kind of outlines his journey of he gets hurt not all that long after winning the Ultimate Fighter and helping another fighter train for a camp. He blows out both of his knees like acl mcl and both knees at the same time by helping a heavyweight train so he is laid up can't do anything and he's trying to figure out ways that he can recover more quickly and he turns to this research that was done very recently on how there was new a new study done or some new analysis done on the remains of gladiators and it found that most gladiators were actually vegetarians so it then explores his kind of dive into understanding the world of plant-based diets and wow. what that means for athletic performance specifically. So it looks at, you know, some of, so he goes and talks to people who people may or may not know, you know, we're plant-based athletes who don't consume the proteins in the way that, you know, we're told that we should um, and we're encouraged to in, in kind of how we think about it. And yeah, it's just really interesting to see him go through as someone who was looking to um, figure out just a faster way as an athlete he could recover and kind of diving into this world and the science behind it all and how the science works and how the things we've been taught about food maybe aren't actually totally accurate all the time. So yeah, it's called The Game Changers. It is on Netflix. It's directed by Louis. I can never say his last name because it's really... No, not Lucy. <laughs> um, He's a game Sy- changer. <laughs> Change something. Uh, Luis Sayoyes. Sy- uh, sure. He's the he's the documentary director who did the Cove. Okay. Did you ever see the Cove? It sounds familiar. It's the one about the dolphins. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. okay. Uh, so, but he directed the Cove and Racing Extinction. So he's a really good documentary director. So even if you're like, oh, I don't know if that sounds exactly for me, uh, it's a really well made, put together documentary. It's a very excellently done film. Um, and like I said, some cool stories and some interesting thoughts in it as well. So that is the Game Changers on Netflix. Josh, what do you say we wrap this show up? You got it, dude. Thanks for joining us, everyone. In addition to finding us on Twitter and Instagram at Board with Fiji, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Board with Fiji. So feel free to give us a five-star rating over there. Also, if you want to communicate in the more long form or you're just not feeling social media, please feel free to send us an email at boardwithfiji at gmail.com. We tag our stuff with hashtag Board with Fiji. So please use that hashtag as well. Let us know what you're doing on the social medias. Whatever podcast service you're listening to us on, we encourage you to give us that stellar rating. That is whether you're downloading us from the PSVG feed, the Dice Tower Network feed, or our very own standalone Board with Video Games feed. Once again, the last time I'll plug it, because it will be too late, probably by the next... Well, it will be too (laughs) late. It will be, yeah. Uh, This coming weekend, I will be participating in 
Extra Life, which is a marathon of gaming that I screwed it up already, where we raise money to donate to local children's hospitals. For me, it's Boston Children's Hospital. Um, and if you go to my my Twitter, at Josh Bones, you look at that pinned tweet on the top, it'll give you a link to my page. Uh, my page also has a link to my Mixer account, which is where I'll be streaming, so you could also go to that page on November 2nd when we stream starting at 10 a.m. and ending at 10 a.m. on Sunday. So it should be fun. I'll be there with Kevin Austin. I'll be there with Sean Capri. I'll be there with Mr. Badbit. I'll be there with a bunch of friends of our podcast, people that are supporters and listeners. Skinny Matt's going to be there. Uh, Matt Knight from Discord. So uh, it'll be an interesting experience, and I'm looking forward to challenging myself to do something I enjoy for a lot longer than anyone should do it for <laughs> to raise money for children who might not ever get the ability to do that. So like I said, even if it's a dollar, just send me a dollar. I'm not going to be disappointed that it's a dollar because it's better than nothing. So if you can send me a dollar or more, that would be awesome. Just follow that link on my Twitter, please. Awesome. So yeah, please do go support at Josh Bones. Look for that pinned tweet. Help him out. Help him help the kids. Yeah. Uh, that would be awesome. Uh, if you want to talk to me, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, PlayStation Network, Xbox Live, Board Game Geek, all at Psychocross, C-Y-C-O-C-R-O-S-S. As one final reminder, our next show will be a bit of a different show. I don't think we'll do a traditional format, but I don't know exactly what it's going to be yet, but we'll do something a little different since we're recording so early, but we wanted to make sure we're going to get you a show on time next week. So just be look, just know that as we get to that. As always, if you have suggestions for future topics, be sure to reach out to us on the social media because we want to talk about what you want to hear about. And remember, everyone, whether it be board games or video games, never stop gaming.